Hello, this is The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast that invites one mum and one dad to share their wisdom on everything from common parenting challenges to events in the news. Our mum today is a raw and ready life coach and our dad is a writer and broadcaster. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Danielle Colley is our mum. She's a life coach at Your Good Life and has a boy and a girl aged six and eight. Well, since we've, been, still? since we've started, no, 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 now seven and nine. Now seven, seven and nine. Crikey. Yeah. That's bad, bad journalism on my part. No, really, it just, it's, it's an indicator <laughs> of our beautiful relationship and time marching on. And how, how quickly they grow. <laughs> well, Sean Zepps is our dad. He's a, I'm calling you a blogging broadcaster. I'm going to take it. Take it? Okay. Mm-hmm. He has toddler twins, also a boy and a girl. How old are they now? I don't want to. Twenty. Three months. <laughs> he's still in the months. He's yeah, still in the months I mean, phase. They're almost, almost two. two. Almost yeah. two. Yeah, a month away. And you're about to go away. Will they turn two before you leave? I come back the day before they turn two, which is horrible for birthday party planning. Well, we'll come, won't we, Danielle? Totally. Yeah. Totally. We can be I the petting do zoo. We'll do the hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, today we're talking about bringing back old-fashioned names being a superior man and mm. the childish thing you would do even if you didn't have kids. First up today, though, we're talking about adulting. You're on the computer too much as it is. You need to get outside more. Do some playing outside. Yeah, you can build things. out. You can build a, a fort outside. What? Yeah, build a fort. Play with your friends and have... Make a, a fort outside? That's the mum in This Is 40. Basically, her and her partner decided that they were going to be adults and Mm. start parenting responsibly and building a fort outside and not being on their devices was one of those decisions. This week, writer Thomas Mitchell bemoaned the competition amongst his friends to claim adulthood. Some of his mates said it was owning a dog. Another said it was owning coordinated furniture that didn't all come from Ikea. (laughs) Oh dear, I'm not a parent. I mean, I'm not an adult. I am a parent. Personally, I only really felt like an adult when I had kids. Danielle, when did you realise you're an adult or are you still I'm just going to be straight up here. I've had some stuff going on in the last two weeks and there have been times where I've been talking to professionals and authority figures and I just keep saying... I don't feel like an equipped adult. I just want a grown up to tell me what to do, mm. you know? So I think that, I think that it's a movable feast. I think, you know, sometimes we're like, I'm totally all over this. I'm like, I'm, I just adulted like totally. a boss, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I knew what to do and had to, when to say the right thing. And I really felt in control of that situation. And then other things come up where you actually feel I'm actually out of my depth and, and, and it is about, Perhaps it's like skill set, you know. Um, mm. For me, like taking care of a dying parent, that was a really big indicator that the, the banner, the, the baton was being passed. Yes. Um, so, so even though I still feel it like an ill-equipped, <laughs> like child adult, <laughs> um, I do. I have been handed that baton by you know yep. seeing a parent past. So mm. I, I think, um, yeah, I don't know if you ever really get there and I, I really don't think owning a dog does it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What about you, Sean? I think adulting is a lot like love. Like you believe the love you have when you're 13 is the greatest love of your life. Then that love ends and you move on and you experience another one. And then you realize the first one was insignificant in comparison. And I agree with you. Like I, as I continue to get older, every stage of my life feels more like what adulting should be. My initial instinct is having children because it was the first time I stopped thinking about myself and started thinking about someone else. And that felt like an iconic shift But of course I remember thinking the first time I had to pay all my bills on my own, I'm an adult. The first time I moved into my own home that I had to pay for fully, I'm an adult. When I got married, it felt like a real adult thing to do. But I feel like when you remove yourself from the equation, when you go minutes or hours or sometimes days not thinking about you and you're really focused on how you have to kind of build someone up and take care of them and keep them alive, that's pretty damn adulting. But hearing you say watching like taking the baton becoming the patriarch of the family or the matriarch Mm -hmm. that feels like the next phase like i i haven't had that experience Mm -hmm. yet but i'm looking into the future and realizing oh wow there's going to be a time when i am going to be the one that needs to plan to get my brothers and sisters together there isn't going to be the mom and the dad i'm the one who's going to have to reach out in the birthday parties and you are the one that all the younger generations look up to. I guess your children having children will feel like a, oh, I'm a part of something bigger, circle of life. But And also, I still, I still feel like a child because I still look to my parents mm. as the safety net, you know, as the emotional, physical, whatever. They're, they're the stalwarts that have always been there. Absolutely. And so I still feel... I feel like for them, because of their generation being baby boomers, that they never had that option with their parents. Yeah. Firstly, because they passed earlier, but also because it was just expected. A different level know, of emotional out, um, out to yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas my parents were very gentle. Yeah. And I would call my mum and be like, I, you just need to like hear me out. And I would come and sit on your lap for a hug right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Have you guys ever heard the term kidult? No. Is that us? It's used. I think it's all three of us, definitely. (laughs) But it it. is a very positive term. And it's about the, I don't even know exactly how to explain it, but the fun-loving, energetic, youthful nature that parents usually who grew up in the 70s, 80s, or 90s as kids are bringing to modern-day parenting. Mm -hmm. There was this expectation every decade before then that parenting, you know, you must be strict and you must go to job and you there's a very particular role. And now I think a lot of modern parents are fun and a little more laid back and relaxed. Like when I go to the playground and I see parents going down the slide and acting crazy, I don't think of them as any less than a parent. I think they're bringing some fun young energy to it. And so I think... I feel tired just hearing that. <laughs> I'm all like, if you've got to be at the park, you might as yeah. well be amongst it. I Absolutely. can totally see yeah, going down the slippery Yeah, road, totally, totally. Uh, and another thing that just made me think of is if I ask my mum, if I said, when did you feel like an adult? She would say, I, I don't know if I do, you know, mm. or, you know, I, I feel like I felt when I was 30, I just look older, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think that it is all like sort of relative and subjective, totally. you know, like do, ha, do we want to be an adult? Is an adult a good thing? Mm. What does, what does adult entail? Is no, that I'd suddenly like to be a child again? Yeah. I think totally. kid out, I think kid out is good. Yeah. I don't want to be a child. That was like, that was a bit. No, because too. then also you we, have to be a teenager. If you and we can eat ice cream for breakfast if we want. Right? <laughs> they can't. <No. laughs> all right. Up next, Carol, Sue, Bruce, what old-fashioned names have disappeared and what ones would you like to make a comeback? Your name 
Oh, my name is Mara. Mara. Watch me. Mara. Mara. I don't open my mouth like that. Just Mara. Mara. It's not Mara. You see the difference in my mouth? Mara. Mara. We just have, we have different mouths. That's a scene from the movie Sisters where Amy Poehler's character is trying to teach her manicurist, manicurist, how to say her name, Mora. <laughs> that is, I, we, were, we had to try so hard not to laugh just then. That is really funny. Mora. Mora. Well, we're yeah. probably all saying it wrong. But it's also, not... I'm American, so Mora is like an easy thing to shout out. Okay, oh. so you Aussies. how do you say it again? Mora. Okay. You guys are Duh. saying Mara. Mara. Mora. That Mora. was perfect. Mora. Thank you. Oh, yes. Mora. I got perfect. You did. I'm not trying again anyway. That name, not the most modern name, unlike Miller, Charlotte, or Ariel, perhaps. Old-fashioned names like Carol, Karen, and Linda are being lost to the mists of history. According to an article this week by Francis Whiting, some of these you could argue ought to go the way of the dinosaurs. <laughs> Others may deserve a comeback. So my nan's name was Vera, and I think that's such a lovely name. Mm. Um, Sean, what old-fashioned names would you like to see come back? I'm going to be honest. I actually wrote a list on go my on. phone, but oh, I left the phone oh. out. My bag is literally out there. Let's see how good your recall is. Uh, you know what's funny? It's so bad that I can't remember a single one. But what I do remember is this. I have like quite a strict rule about what you should name your child. I think some parents get lost in a, in naming their child what they think will be cute as a baby. Like they picture a small infant. They pick a name and they label it. And then you meet a 13-year-old version and you're like, ooh. Daisy Bunny. I mean, <laughs> like my mom's name is Sally. So cute when you're little, adorable when you're 90. Eh, iffy between the ages of like, she hated it from like 13 until 40. It's like one of those mixture names. Uh, I think right. you need to think of every single phase. Mm. There are certain names that I meet, like a Gertrude when you're 80, you're like, what a beautiful name. And I don't think it's okay in the Aussie slang bible to say well what about when it's shortened the shortened version is cuter not, not acceptable not <laughs> gonna work out for me totally goody so Good i team, like man. i feel like there's a lot of really fun ones coming back um ones that feel quite modern and young that work through all phases i think milo is one you sent mm. um i'm like i like the strong ones that when you see a small baby named like arnold you're like that's so funny you're gonna be such a cute old man but it kind of like works through all the phases. What about, I want to know, we will get to your favorite old-fashioned names, Danielle, but I want to know about the people who give their babies really powerful names. Like, um, I know someone who's named her sons Titan and Apollo. No. I know a, a Boudicca. Is that how you pronounce it? Never heard Never in my heard. life. Boudicca. God bless you. The... <laughs> 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 I'm probably saying it wrong. It's like the ancient British tribal queen when they were invaded by the Romans. She was the one that went out and fought with the tribes. I really struggle with that. Because I'm my question is, are they strong names? But what happens? Because I said I wanted to, I loved the name Grace. Mm. And when I said that to my mom, she was like, oh, that's fine. But what if they're a bit... Yeah, it's and true. I was like, what does that even mean, mom? <laughs> One, Grace is a beautiful name and an internal feeling that you can 
Absolutely. Bring to the table. To I, I have a girlfriend named Rebel, one of my closest girlfriends. Long before Rebel Wilson was popular, she really struggled with it as a child because people expect something of you. Yeah. You must be rebellious. You must be bold. And you carry that weight on your shoulder. That's why I think the decision is not so much about you. Of course, having reference to family is beautiful and picking a name that you and your partner love is critical. But to put the pressure of... You might as well name your child like aggressive or you know, incredibly <laughs> powerful, going to be president. Like, a, you know, a name that is maybe Many neutral. You know, <laughs> it's a long name, all one word. Yeah, I struggle with that a little bit. How is the pressure though? Like when you're writing your list and you've got your short list and oh. trying to find something that you agree on, um, you know, that pressure of naming a child is actually really quite intense totally. because, and lots of people, they do it and then they might change their mind or they end up going by the second name anyway. Like mm. it's a, it really is quite a big deal. And some people don't think about the, um, the um, ramifications. <laughs> there's, yes. There's that. Um, or the initials, you know, oh, yes, the yeah, initials, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, my kid's initials ass, you know, it's not, but you know. <laughs> I knew She's a, Ash. I knew a actually. sog, and I always, I guess, yeah. it was soggy. <laughs> or, not gonna work. What, what are your favorite older fashion? Look names? for me, and I'm not Christian at all. But for me, I was really into the big, strong biblical names when we were trying to um, shortlist. And um, I, you know, my ex-husband is Dutch, so. In Holland, having an Anglo name is really bogan. And oh. in Australia, having a Dutch name would mean that you're constantly, you know, trying to teach people how to pronounce your name or yeah. whatever for the rest of your life. So um, so we ha- we really struggled to find this place. What, but were, I was, your, what were your I was into Christian like, names? I was, like, I was really into like Isaac and, um, ah. and Xavier and yeah. Raphael. All I could and, think when you said that, yeah. you can see I wasn't Jesus. brought up religiously. <laughs> no, I was thinking Peter. Oh, no, no, no. I was really into like the big Isaacs Mm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, You know. And And what'd you go with? Dexter. I love Dexter. It's a Latin, Latin name. That's coming Uh, back. Is that before? No. (laughs) I don't. I hope he never hears this, but I absolutely devoured Dexter, the series, while I was pregnant. And I was like, this is so rad. He was like the Robin Hood of serial killers. Yeah. And uh, If you're going to be a serial killer, right? be Dexter. Got, that's exactly right. And I just thought it's such a cool name. We finally agreed on something. Mm. And by the time Dexter reaches a certain age, everyone will have forgotten about that, but people don't tend to be forgetting. No. So <laughs> what's great about won't know. What's great about all the names you just listed, actually all the ones we've talked about so far, they're names that you don't have to explain how to say or that's my concern. Yeah. Is a lo- when I did a little research, the first name that came up was Ari A U R E L I A Ariella, and that's one of those names that's like that's beautiful when pronounced properly. I asked everyone in my office; they all said it. I'm like, God, that sounds cute. But if you were reading it, you'd do what we just did, Ariella. Ariella. They're going to spend their whole life Ariella. And I think. You don't want that for your child. No. You can't be a Rebecca in a world of Rebecca's. Like yeah. you gotta <laughs> just pick a name that's easy to spell. Stop yeah. playing games with your children's <laughs> lives. Like they're gonna have to live with this for a long time. Mm. I went um my great grandmother's name for my daughter. Um, Annika. Oh, I like and, that. Yeah, so Annika. Cool. And um and we call her Kiki. So she became Kiki. And her middle name is Star. So she's Annika Star. So if she wants, she can be Annika Holsborough. Oh, I just told her I said her name on air. Can we cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> if she wants, she can have like a straight lace name. Yeah. Or she'll be a she rock can star because she can be famous. Or she can be like Kiki Star. Yeah. yeah. Right? Bring that on. I did a, I did a, like, 
a rose in the middle, yeah. Stella Rose, yeah. like mm. a kind of powerful, could be a singer if you wanted to yes. be, but if you wanted to be a librarian, yeah. that's fine too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did that with Darcy. I thought Darcy May, M-A-E, was really sweet and old-fashioned put yes. together, but yes. I don't even know she knows that's her middle name. <laughs> She's seven. She's like, how, how do you spell my middle name, Mum? And I told her, and she went, oh, no, I want to spell it M-A-Y. I'm like, you are missing the point. Yeah. Do you not pull out a second name when they're in trouble? Every hour of right. every day. I did it three Boy. times this morning. I think she thinks it's not her name. It's just her name when she's in trouble. Uh, I, I don't know what a rose is, but it isn't good. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next topic, what does it take to be a superior man? That's what we're chatting about next on the Parent Panel. Don't talk out loud. You lower the IQ of the whole street. Oh, John, I envy you so much. Your mind is so placid, straightforward, barely used. Dear God. What is it like in your funny little brains? It must be so boring. Oh, look at you lot. You're all so vacant. Is it nice not being me? It must be so relaxing. That's Benedict Cumberbatch playing Sherlock, being, as he is in that particular version of Sherlock, very superior, shall we say, because he has a fine intellect and mm. he knows more than everyone else. But what does it take to be a superior man? It could differ depending on who you speak to. This week, Angela Mollard, Spider-Man, reading a book titled The Way to Be a Superior Man and decided to investigate. In um, defense of that title, apparently it's about 20 years old. Um, she found the book and it included ideas like not always waiting to be complete, like saying, once I finish this, everything will be great. Don't blame all your ills on your upbringing and to consider your own mortality on a daily basis. Before she looked into the book, she mused that for her, a superior man makes a good cup of tea and can laugh at himself. Danielle, what in your books does it take to be a superior man? Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I need help. No pressure. Um, Look, I think to be a superior man, you need a great ability for self-reflection, curiosity, and emotional intelligence. And to be honest, I think that there are three attributes that make a superior woman as well. And ultimately, you know, if we're all striving for superior, superior humanity, then it's about having those things and being able to apply them every day and be a little bit better than you were yesterday. You know, uh, you reflect on yourself and think, oh, I didn't handle that so well. You know, that was, that was, you know, definitely a defensive reaction or I was total cow. Um, (laughs) How can I do better on that? How can I communicate better? How can I, um, how can I be more curious about what's going on in my own life in other people's lives, learn more, all that sort of stuff. Um, You know, and as for, you know, like the superior man, I mean, (laughs) clearly a cup of tea is very important. Um, (laughs) You know, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely lots of little things around the house. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I do think that all of us need to be doing this, like striving to be superior versions of ourselves from yesterday. You know, it's not about um, sort of superior to each other. It's not about superior to, you know, it's not even a, it's not even extrinsic. It's this intrinsic thing that we need to be working on in order to um, rise above. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what's your take on superior being a superior man? Mm. If my mic had died, I would have just left feeling fantastic. Like that is the way to approach the answer. I'm really happy that I'm coming into adulthood as a man today where men are really being pushed, challenged and praised for being empathetic, for being good listeners, um, for not taking things too seriously. The 
old school values of what made a man, you know, going to work and coming home and, you know, being strong. I, I'm thrilled that those are being thrown out the door because that was the definition of superiority. I think of my great grandfather and my grandfather as being these strong, superior men who demanded attention. And I look at them through the lens of modern fatherhood and I'm like, yikes, mm. were they helpful around the house? Did they support their wives? Were they empathetic? Were they good listeners? I Maybe not. And so, I mean, I just could not agree more. I'm really hopeful that modern day men are able to just kind of look in the mirror and be like, am I a good role model? Am I a best version of myself? Am I taking care of myself? Like, I feel like when you think of traditional female traits I'm just noticing the conversation shifting. It's like men are finally paying attention. More and more fathers doing yoga. More and more fathers focusing on mindfulness. More and more fathers learning to express themselves emotionally. And when I hear, this is the thing, any man who's listening, because most of my, you know, I, I fit more into the female realm as far as my girlfriends and my groups. We, we're not behind your back talking like, oh, it was so amazing the way he demanded attention in that room. <laughs> put the log on his shoulder and walked across. No, we have have conversations where we're blown away and impressed like the way he was able to take that situation that should have been stressful and responded empathetically or he really listened to me that is what makes a man absolutely a man. and I think um, for me I think kindness has to play into that for sure because um, I interviewed Samuel Johnson this week yes. and I you know I don't like I said I, when I talk about it I don't want to use the word inspired or those sorts of kind of trite words. It just, there was a man who was passionate about a cause, passionate about helping people and um, incredibly kind about the approach and mm. doing something with his life that was for others. And to me, that I felt like it was a privilege to talk to someone like that. And that to me is superiority. When, you, when you're actually laying yourself down, you know, you're getting up there if you're yeah. laying yourself down for others. Absolutely. And I think that that ability to be vulnerable, you know, that, that shows that superior strength, mm. you know, and, and the more conversations that we have around that and, and men being able to ask for help, being able to um, show when they're hurting, to be able to, you know, all of that sort of squishy, scary stuff for, it's scary for everyone. I'm not, mm. I'm not, you know, making light of it for, for dudes. It's scary for everyone to show your vulnerabilities, but it's, it's in that, that we can draw together as superior humans. Superior, and superior, superior, superior humans. What Danielle does um, really well, if you're not following her on social is like, you often don't just talk about women. And I think it's really, really helpful the funny thing is we actually all think the same. In the, in the back of their mind, men think a dick's a dick. Like they don't like the guys who are really mean and bossy. They think about it in the back of their head. Mm -hmm. Sure, they might let it pass by, but we all want everyone in our lives to be good listeners. We want to be listened to and we want to be able to help and we want to be funny. We want to be empathetic. This is not just a gender conversation. When I'm listening to both of you talk about what a superior man can be, I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'd love my daughter to be that way too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So like... Mm -hmm. The further we go down this gender, like attempting to scrap gender, I don't know, lines, divides, whatever, is we're probably going to just be a better society if we can just focus on the types of people we oh want to be. God, we mm. just went really deep, didn't we? Mm. Well, let mm. me um, take it back up to a more <laughs> superficial level. And that's my job here. Because our next topic, we're going to be talking about what you would keep doing even if you didn't have kids. 
So what did they make you do for all this? Well, I play with all of this stuff. And then I go in and I tell them what I think. That's it? Yeah. And they pay you for that? Yeah. Suckers! So um, maybe, Sean, you're too young for that reference. It was Tom Hanks in Big. I've seen Big. Oh, you have seen mm. Big. Yeah. I just felt really old, but I was like, oh, my God, let's watch, face. watch his face. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we know in Big, Tom Hanks is a boy who wishes he was older. He ends up getting a job where he all he does all day is play with toys and tell people what he thinks about them. And an article in the New, New York Post this week got really shouty about millennials going to Disneyland. And apparently the author thought that they should all grow up and do some serious traveling, like to Europe and places like that. Um, and if you don't have kids here, Pined, you really shouldn't be there. But I was like, are you serious? What a grinch. What a grinch. Calm down, buddy. Right? Pay attention to something else. (laughs) That was partly what I was thinking. I was also thinking I would be at Disneyland in a heartbeat. Like if the three of us went, sure, we would Uh, add vodka, (laughs) but we would have fun. Teacups were never so fun. (laughs) And they've got a Star Wars like replica land now or something. So good. Um, Sean, what what kitty thing would you still do even if you didn't have kids? Oh, I mean, so many things. When I heard the question initially and I read the article as well, I was like, nothing I think I I act exactly how I would like to act that I've always acted I am absolutely I think laughed at behind my back a little bit in adult communities for being a childlike individual I'm loud and I like what I like and I'm not ashamed of who I am and I of course I'd love to go out and party a lot more right I mean I know you're I know you're saying kids but like yes I would love to go drinking and dancing with my friends a lot more that would be really enjoyable I would love to have a rotary phone again and call my next door neighbor and meet halfway and get on our bikes and drive you know ride around outside and not have you know the limitations of needing to check in with my parents and waiting until seven and rushing home for dinner like that schedule that carefree energy of course I'd love that no I mean what stuff do you do with your kids now that if you didn't have them you'd still do so my prime example is yeah give me some clearly I was not (laughs) digesting the information I still think that was interesting but um I have told this story before probably on the parent panel but my husband and I before we had kids went to the movies one night and we bumped into some friends of his that I didn't know very well and his friend was kind of a businessman type of guy and his girlfriend was probably gorgeous and anyway we were talking and they went and we said oh yeah you know first question you bump into each other at the movies what are you watching I said it without thinking to them and they were going to see No Country for Old Men you know what we were there to see tell us Toy Story 3 Enchanted yes (laughs) Without kids. So quite obviously, before kids, we watched kids' movies. After kids, we would still watch kids' movies. That was the thing we did. So if that's the thing, while you think about it, I'll ask Danielle. So what would you continue to do, even if you didn't have children? I may or may not have played Twister with my house guest last night. Oh, that's good. Um, Brilliant. Yep, yep, that was fun. Um, was there alcohol involved? Did you nope. just say? Hey, no. Oh, there was like one one vodka. Like it was pretty sober. It was pretty sober. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the kids were spinning it, and we were and we, we were against each other. It was great. Who won? Um, uh, well, 
it was tricky. The last, <laughs> the last round was tricky. And Twister's it, it, never been about it was, winning. Uh, <laughs> it's just about the it, fun it, of it all. It kind of all collapsed at the same time when yeah. it was suddenly like, this is this is impossible. <laughs> this is a house of cards. <laughs> um, I really like a swing. Really? Yes, I do like a swing, which is interesting because I bloody hate going to the park. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't like going to the park so much anymore. We're out of that phase now, Sean. You'll be mm. there someday. It's so great. You can just tell them to go and play in the garden and, and they kick a ball. Yeah. Um, but I do like the swing. A swing is really good and you can close your eyes and you can lean back and you get that wind feeling and it's all like really free and awesome. Vomit. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Do you like a theme park? See, I like I Luna Park. I do and, like a yeah, theme okay. park, but there's something about swings. It's a little bit like trampolines there's something going on between my e- middle ears oh. and possibly there's my something pelvis. going on yeah, in my yeah, pelvic yeah. floor trampolines are dead to me <laughs> <laughs> they're gone they're gone i think it's a middle ear thing yeah, right. swing. okay i just it makes me feel weird huh. i'd still eat nachos that's yeah, a real that's, kid thing to eat is it mm. yeah isn't it I ordered them two days ago. I didn't do it as a grown-up. I didn't do it until I had kids. Like, I did it as a kid, and then I didn't do it for, like, another however many years. Now that I have kids, now I'm like, oh, this is good. Nacho swings and twister. Yeah. Those are good. Okay, so now that I understand the question. Okay. Take two. My answer is I am literally in opposition of the, of the people who went to Disneyland because I love Disney music. I was a musical theater university student. I cannot even wrap my head around how exciting it is that my children will finally watch The Lion King, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. And I sit there and I sing all of the songs. I enjoy it (laughs) so much. When they're like, Lion King, Lion King for the 55th time, I'm like, yes, let's do this. I will continue to do that forever and ever and ever and ever. I just love... Like Can you modern sing Pixar. For us? Like his kids will be like twenty five, going, Dad, do we have to watch Lion King I again? Know. <laughs> Go on, sing something. What? From... Um, something from the Lion King. <laughs> I'm gonna be a mighty king, so enemies beware. Well, I never seen a king or beast with quite so little hair. <laughs> if that's not cut, clipped, and put on the Babyology Facebook page, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> The other thing is cutting up my food. I actually really enjoy, like, I've always been the type of person who cuts pizza up. I'm what? like, yeah, yeah, I'm really you weird. You with a knife and fork? Yeah, I'm the worst. Okay. But at least I know it, so wow. you can't attack wow. me. And, I, like, as I'm cutting up my kid's food into little small bites, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is for me. <laughs> I just so love you, it. When you go out for dinner with your husband, you're having a lovely meal mm. out. Mm. Do you cut your food up? Oh yeah. You cut your like you cut your food up before you eat it. Like no, you cut no, no, it all no, up. No 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 no, 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 no. But right. I cut pizza definitely, a hundred percent, and everyone judges me and everyone, and I'm I like, well, you don't you. have to eat it like this, but I'm going to because I'm an adult, <laughs> which makes me sound like a twelve year old. <laughs> oh my god, I could just watch, I could just listen to Sean sing Lion King tunes, but we can't. We've got to wrap up because uh, that's all we have time for on the show but um before i let you go where can people find your amazing wisdom and possible show to- tunes online you can follow me on instagram at sean s-e-a-n zeps s-z-e-p-s or you can follow my blog at bringing up gabies g-a-y-b-i-e-s and that is where i wax poetic about parenting excellent <laughs> danielle you can find me on facebook and instagram at your good life And I'm at Siobhan Hunt. You can find me on Insta and Facebook. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Debbie Ning. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au slash parent panel.